Good morning, church. Happy New Year. What a privilege it is to start off our year giving our fruit, first fruits to the Lord with our time, our intention, our focus, our devotion. And he has a great word for us this morning and a great time of fellowship. So let's go ahead and worship the Lord together and remember all the great things that he has done. all the great thing that the great things that he is doing and will do this year Thanks. Um. 
hearts are that every morning every breath is a blessing that we are adopted as sons and daughters that's a miracle in the works you have made me glad Let go of the darkness, step into the light. I'll choose to praise you, choose to praise you. Every morning I will choose to praise you. Not tossed around by the wind and the waves, I will choose to praise you. I will choose to praise you. you to know right now this is the first day of the year of 2023 I just really feel like the Lord is saying I am positioning you right now now listen when we sing oh Lord how great are your works some of us are thinking of the past but the Lord is saying I'm positioning you towards the future I'm positioning you to look towards your 223 and what he's saying about that is that you are declaring and prophesying to your 2023 right now. Oh, Lord, how great are your works before I even get there. You are Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. Before I get there, Lord, I know you're going to be great. I know you're going to be faithful. I know you're going to do wondrous things. I don't fear the future. I don't try to be in control of everything because I can't control things. But you are the God who is sovereign. You are the God who is all-powerful. You are the God who is trustworthy. You are the God who is good. You are the God who is loving. You are that God. And I position myself. Come on. So many of us, we can be scattered in our thoughts. We can be tossed to and fro. We can be double-minded about things, about decisions, about what our future holds. But the Lord says, I want to position you. Let him position you. On this day, the first day of the year of 2023, he's saying, let me position you. So right now, what we're going to do is just we're going to say, Lord, I'm going to. Because the greatest, the greatest thing we can give to our Lord is our surrender. Okay? So right now, there's some things that you say, you know what? I feel like I know some things God wants to do. But what about the unknowns? What about the unknowns? We're going to surrender those things. I'm going to surrender right now. I want you just to be in a place of surrender. And this is the thing the Lord's saying in that surrender, you're giving your first fruits. 
See, this day is a day of first fruits. We are giving our first fruits to the Lord. The Lord loves when we give first fruits. We do that out of obedience. We do that out of worship. We do that out of, Lord, in this day of 2023, the first fruits simply symbolize that every day belongs to you. It's not just a day. It's every day. So, Lord, right now, come on, right now, because the Lord's positioning you. This is going to be, 2023 is going to be an incredible year. It's going to be a year of wonders. It's going to be a year of miracles. It's going to be a year of supernatural provision. It's going to be a year of um, graduating people. Right now, let's close our eyes. I'm going to say a prayer over us. We just began worship here. Right now, the Lord is saying, you know what? I am positioning you. Fix your eyes on me. I have wondrous things. How you enter in and how you walk will have to do with the fruitfulness of your situation. It's interesting because this house is called Crossroads. Sometimes I've wanted to change the name because I'm thinking it's always a crossroads, meaning people may leave us. But the Lord said it's a place of decision making. It's a place where people come to cruxes and they determine in a very small way in the moment where they're going to end up in a very big way later on. So, Lord, right now, we position ourselves at the crossroad between 2022 and 2023 to position ourselves upon you. That, Lord, we, we declare, oh, great, how great are your works. We don't, it's not just about what we know because of our experience of our past, but it's now about our faith for the future. Lord, you love faith in you. Lord, we depend upon your character. We depend upon your word. We depend upon your promise. How great are your works, oh God, as I enter into 2023. I position myself in surrender. I position myself in obedience to you, knowing that in that will become come the fruitfulness that's miraculous. That abiding of fruitfulness, as John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But I'm going to tell you, you abide in me, then I'm going to cause you to bear much fruit for my Father's glory. So, Lord, we position ourselves in surrender to abide in you, in your name. Come on, let's go ahead and worship. All your works. Oh Lord, how great are your works. You have made me glad. Oh Lord, how great are your works. Oh Lord, how great I will see. Oh Lord, how great are your works. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how great are your works. Surely you're good. Follow me. How great are your works? You have made. You have made me glad. One more time. 
my trust is my worship my trust is my worship to you Declare who you are, God. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Pentecostal fire is stirring something new. You're not, you're not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon. Resurrection power runs in my veins too. I believe it. I believe there's another miracle here in this room. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise they can tell sound I hear the sound 
I hear the sound. This is the sound of drop bones rattling. Drop bones hear the word of the Lord. Tis the praise make the dead man walk again. Drop bones hear the word of the Lord. I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the Be the center of my 
From beginning to the end It will always be It's always been you, Jesus Jesus And nothing else matters Nothing in this world will do Jesus, you're Nothing else, 
nothing else, Jesus, nothing else. I just want you. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else, Jesus. Nothing else will do. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't Your goodness. 
Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Lift your voices. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be. for a minute the Lord is increasing over this house in 2023 what we like to call the Issachar anointing which simply means the tribe of Issachar was one of the tribes of Israel and what was their definition or what scripture says about them is that they understood the times and the seasons they understood when to act when to go forth. And the fact is this, if we look to the world to tell us, we will not be Holy Spirit driven. We will not see the supernatural things that the Lord wants to do, nor will we uh, experience the, the benefits of being a child of God. Because in order to do that, we have to walk in the Holy Spirit. See, our pace is very different than the world. And if we get too um, consumed, too influenced by what the world is saying, we will step out of walking in the Spirit and we will make decisions based upon the flesh. We will make decisions based upon the seen rather than the unseen. Many believers who will go to heaven... They will go to heaven. They love God. They love God. They accepted Christ. They don't walk by the Spirit enough in their lives. And the fact is this. They lose out on many of the benefits of victorious living. The many benefits of what Jesus said he wanted us to have, which was abundant life. The many benefits of what Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. See, the thing is this, it takes the abiding in Christ to bear much fruit. Now, this was interesting because we're all human. I'm human, you're human. And this is a journey, right? I mean, we learn to walk by the Spirit. We crucify the flesh. We uh, get redirected or get recalibrated. Uh, that's why we want you here on Sundays. That's why we want you at the, the Thirst Conference. Because it's recalibration. Because you go out in the world and you're, you're, you're doing your assignment. You're doing your, your career. You're, doing, you're amongst the world. And so... It's easy to have influences or begin to kind of alter your thinking to be influenced. That's why we have to be in the Word. If you abide in me and my Word abides in you, he says two things. You abide in me, my Word abides in you. We are very Word-based at this house because you need to have the Word abide in you so that when you go out into your life and you get something coming towards you and influence things, something that's trying to influence you, you can decipher it through his word. Yes. That's how you know, because his word, see, now, Jesus, we just celebrated Christmas. Jesus 
is the word. See, he came as the word. So what we read in this is the revelation of Jesus, of the Godhead to man. It's called the redemptive history. That's what the word of God is about. Redemption. How did God reconnect to us? How did he come to us so that he can dwell inside of us? Now, I say all that to say, I actually have a specific word. It may not be for everybody. Actually, it's funny because I thought this was going to be the word. And it's all typed up super nice yesterday. But this became the word, okay, this morning. So, so you know, that's not in my control of what the Lord is saying because I prefer, I'm a very orderly person. I am not a procrastinator at all. And so I like to say, Lord, give it to me on Saturday so I don't have to worry about it on Sunday. But the Lord doesn't like to do that sometimes. So he said, you know what? I'm going to speak something to you today, and I want you to deliver it. And so I'm going to do that. And this goes against what the world's telling us right now. And it actually has to do with land, land, sale, land, acquisition, it has to do with that. So that's why I think it's quite interesting because it's very specific. Because the Lord has always been about land. Um, let's look at Israel right now. It's, Israel is the most uh, argued about, most contested piece of land in all of the world. Still to this day. Why? Because it's the promised land. It's the land that God said, that land belongs to you, my people. Now we fast forward to actually the people of God being the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And still the Lord, yes, we have a spiritual inheritance. We have a spiritual inheritance, but the Lord is talking to us about land today. It's interesting because this word, the one I typed up, had to do with the mouth, the words. And I said, Lord, why did yesterday, I spent all this time with you and you wanted me, I thought you wanted me to just say, you know what, we need to purify our tongue. As we go into 2023, you want us to purify our tongue. Okay, that's what he said to me yesterday. He said, oh, that has everything to do with what I'm telling you today. Because what you declare and decree and what you're saying does produce, right? You know that with your children. If you tell them they're nothing, if you tell them they're no good, if you tell them that they're not beautiful, they're not, you know what they're going to learn to believe? They're going to learn to believe what is told to them. That, that goes in a lot of different dynamics. So it does have to do with our tongue. But the Lord said, tell the people, if you believe, you will receive. He says that in James, double-mindedness, how can you expect to receive anything from the Lord if you're double-minded? Meaning going back to faith, doubt, faith, doubt, faith, doubt. Faith. You can't receive. You're never on the page with the Lord to receive. Okay, so he says, so the Lord says now, let us, if you're going to receive this word today, you're going to have to watch your tongue. Because your tongue reflects what's in your heart. And your heart is the control center of your mind, your spirit, your soul, your emotions. So the fact is this, 
it does have to do, those two words do connect. So this is what the Lord says. We're going to get out the word, scripture. Deuteronomy, I'm going to start with Deuteronomy 1.8. I'm going to tell you what this all boils down to in a minute. Some of you are getting interested right now. Because you're like, what? It has to do with the land? Yes, it does. Deuteronomy. Some of you need to write down these scriptures. Deuteronomy 1.8. Look, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land which the Lord swore solemnly promised to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their descendants after them. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 15. Deuteronomy 6, because Deuteronomy actually means second law. God reestablishing the law. Now, Deuteronomy is the fourth, well, actually the fifth book, the fifth book of the Torah. And this is him reiterating what he had said before, the second law. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 15, we find some of the scripture elsewhere. 6, 4 through 15. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and with all your soul and with all your strength, your entire being. This is the foundation to the promise. Did you hear me? Before we go elsewhere to land acquisition, shall we go to love the Lord your God with all? This, you know, in a contract, there are conditional clauses. There are conditional clauses. So in a sense, he's saying, listen, all these things shall follow you, but this is the foundation of the contract. Now we will find later, because they do not love the Lord, their God, with all, they will lose their land. They will lose their prosperity. They will become slaves again. Babylon will take them over. They'll become slaves for many years because they have allowed the idols of the world to be their, um, their, to have their passion. God is the same. Hebrews tells us he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character is the same. So with this word I'm giving to you, there is a condition involved. I have seen and I have prayed. And I, I speak to you prophetically and you know that I do that. But I also speak to you pastorally. Sometimes when you maybe listen to people speaking prophetically, they don't speak to you through the, the, the eyes of a pastor, which makes it a little different because the eyes of the pastor says, I want what benefits you. What I've seen happen is people get so much about the land or the property or the fruitfulness or the prosperity, the blessing, that they lose sight of their God. Love the Lord your God with all. This house will never preach prosperity in that dysfunctional, unhealthy way because our foundation is our heart. And I'm going to say this. The Lord says that he is testing our internal dominion before he gives external. 
The heart. Okay, but we're going to go on. The internal. We are to be internally rooted in him. Internally rooted. But his design for us and his church, his people of God in the earth right now is to be externally rooted as well. Internally rooted, externally rooted. Listen, this place, and you all know it, we know it, everybody knows it. People who live in other parts of the country know it. People have moved out because of it. This is a high place. I call it a high place in that this uh, region of the earth, this region of the earth, this county, California, the state of California, the five largest economy in the world is right here, and it is a high place as a result of it. A high place is a contested place that the enemy wants to gain power over because he knows that there is a lot of resources there. So we live in the tension of that. Some parts of our country do not live in the tension of that. We live in the tension of that with the high price uh, real estate with the high price cost of living. We live in the tension of it. That's why we need, uh, that's why one reason why God wants to establish an oak of righteousness in this region. Unwavering oak of righteousness because this land, you know, I've had so many conversations with people telling me how bad California I'm telling you this land flows with milk and honey it may have giants in this land but it flows with milk and honey and I declare this land belongs to us come on do you believe it though okay so the Lord is saying I want to establish my church my people of God in this land to be the oaks of righteousness but we've got to do it his way. And his way is not the world's way. His way is not leaning into the world. Doesn't mean we don't have what we do have wisdom. The board knows how economically wise I am. But in that whole concept, the economic wisdom comes from God, not from man. Okay, here we go. You say, well, come on, get to scripture. I want to know what this is going to say. Okay. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 15. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart and mind. You shall teach them, listen, parents, you shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truth, and shall speak of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk on the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be used as bands on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to give your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with great and splendid cities 
which you did not build, and houses full of all good things, which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns, which you did not dig out, and vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant, and you eat and are full and satisfied, then beware that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do you do not forget? When you are blessed, you do not forget. When you are blessed, you don't forsake coming to the house of the Lord. When you are blessed, you don't forsake giving your tithes and offerings. Come on, people. That's what the Lord is saying here. This house is going to be the most blessed house in this nation. I believe that. You shall fear only the Lord your God. Shall I fear the winds and the waves? Shall I fear the economic report? Shall I fear the job report? You shall fear only the Lord your God. And you shall serve him with awe, filled reverence, and profound respect. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled and burn against you. I'm going to read to you in a minute another passage in Deuteronomy. But I want to say that the Lord is saying that he is wanting to give people land, land, some of you land sale for the purpose of either acquiring another piece or for the purpose of blessing as uh, Barnabas did in Scripture. In the book of Acts, Barnabas sold property and gave it to the church, blessing whatever, maybe even your own children, whatever it may be, land sale. But also, I feel real strongly that this is a year for some of you that there will be land acquisition. The Lord is wanting to break off the orphan and the poverty spirit orphan is I belong nowhere. The Lord is saying, you belong with me. You are an oak of righteousness, that you are no longer orphaned. You are no longer landless. You no longer are a wanderer. You uh, are to be rooted and grounded. You are no longer an orphan. That the, the blessings, uh, Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, all of the, the promises of God are yes in Christ. Jesus, and to this we say amen, let it be so, that that will be the word of the Lord to you as you move forward into 2023. The Lord is saying, Deuteronomy 10, 11, he goes on and he says, Arise, proceed on your journey, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their forefathers to give them. There is a proceeding. Some of you are stuck. You are stuck in a situation, and the Lord is saying, and you feel like you just need to remain stuck. The Lord says it's time to proceed. Proceed. Move forward. That's a word for some of you. Deuteronomy 28, 11. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offering of your body and in the offering of your beast. 
and in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. What he means by that is that there is a fruitfulness that the Lord wants to bring forth in the lives of people in this house listening to me right now in real time. The Lord is wanting to bring forth fruitfulness in, that ha in a place that has been barren or in a place where you have not believed God for what he has wanted to give you. The Lord is saying, I want to bring fruitfulness in a barren place. Isaiah 61 says, we'll be oaks of righteousness. He's, he declares, Isaiah declares to the people that they would be established as oaks of righteousness. But you know what? How Isaiah 61 begins? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Before we get to oaks of righteousness, we dwell in the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord is saying... I want to do it my way, not the world's ways. So you're going to have to walk in the spirit. He also says, listen, Israel, when they left Egypt, it was only 11 days journey to the promised land. How many days? 11 days. But it took them 40 years. Some of you, the Lord's saying, listen, we can do this the long route or we can do it the short route. But the Lord says it has to do with the condition of the heart, the rootedness of me internally, the rootedness and groundedness of me dwelling in you internally. This will have to do with how long it's going to take you. Because the fact is this, you're going to have to trust my word. Remember, I started this word with the Issachar anointing. That there were men of Issachar, men in the tribe of Israel that understood the times and the seasons. They knew when to act, when it wasn't based upon the world. It was based upon the word of the Lord. They understood when God said, go, it's time to go. When God said, uh, apply for that loan, it's time to apply. When the Lord says, go visit that real estate agent and say, hey, it's time for me. The Lord also says it's expansion. The Lord is saying expansion over the lives of people. But specifically, for some of you that say, well, I have a house. I have whatever. That's, and listen, let's not boil it down to a house here. I don't want you to boil it down to that. The Lord is saying um, that he wants, for some of us, he is realigning the purpose of your land and resources. Some of you have used it for your own purpose. And the Lord is saying that I want to realign you with my purpose for what I have given to you. The Lord wants you to be fruitful and multiply, and it's beyond resources, physical resources. Way, be, way beyond that. Way beyond that. He is saying that I want but you to have a multiplication of influence, a multiplication of my authority and my power as you are ministering to people. But it has to do with a realignment of what I've already given to you. There's going to be a lot of steps in, of faith going forth. If you're going to realize the word that has come to you this day, realize it. You will not realize it based upon physical. 
you will realize it based upon the spiritual. You will realize it in the unseen before you realize it in the seen. The Lord is teaching us this house to walk by faith, truly to walk by faith and not by sight. And in order to do that, he stretches us. He stretches us to believe him for the miraculous, for the impossible, for the very difficult. What is impossible to man, Jesus says, is possible with God. And we're going to be stretched. And in that stretch... And that even me giving this word, man, even giving this word is a stretch. In that stretch means I've got to get out of the boat and start walking on the water. In that stretch means that I'm going to have to be faithful to the Lord in a way that I have not been faithful. I've been kind of hiding out, hoping that I'm going to get the blessing without having the faithfulness. Hoping that the waters are going to be poured out without me being under the fountain. But the the problem with that is this. We want the first fruit blessing, don't we? We want the blessing that was given from Isaac to Jacob, not Isaac to Esau. Esau was a man of flesh, and that was the problem with Esau. And when it came to blessing, he got the second best. But Isaac was the chosen one. We want to have the blessing of God, but it speaks of walking in the miraculous. And the first step is the internal step is say, I'm going to be faithful and obedient to the Lord, prioritizing him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, not just with mouth, not just with tongue, but with our heart, with our actions, with our priorities, with our obedience. And out of that, I will guarantee you, out of that will come miracles. Out of that is going to come things that you have, that you said it was impossible for man, but it is possible for God. Okay, that's enough. Woo, this is 2023, people. There is an outpouring and it's starting right now. One last scripture. Psalm 16, 5 through 9. This is what he says. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance, my cup. He is all I need. You support my lot. The boundary lines of the land have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my heart instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My body too will dwell in safety. Psalm 16, 5 through 9. I want you to stand with me. Holy Spirit, this is the first fruits of the prophetic word going forth. Are you going to receive it? you got to believe it. And believing it means, okay, Lord, how do I act on it? Issachar anointing. I understand the times and seasons. I step out. When you tell me, not the world tells me, not when I'm sure of it because the world has told me. You're going to have to, some of you, you're going to have to do things counterintuitive. 
because the Lord is going to speak to you. Now, this is not just about land acquisition, and, but I'm going to say this. For some of you in this room, it is. For some of you in this room, one of the greatest testimonies I've told my children again and again, and they also now carry that on in their own spirits, is when we bought this house that we live in in Gilroy, way back when everything had crumbled, when the economy was bad, and, and we were denied a mortgage because we came from twice. <laughs> but you know what? Prevail. Persist. We were denied a mortgage, and the Lord said, no, nope, this is for you. This is the time. And every day, every day, I walk into my home, and I've taught my children this. I do what Deuteronomy 6 says. The Lord has given us this house. This house belongs to the Lord. Everywhere in my house, probably three or four places, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Anybody that lives in this house, we're you're serving the Lord. There's not a question mark. I don't, you know what, I've had people live with me that aren't uh, related to me biologically or not related to me legally. And they came, you living with us, your butt's in church on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not. You know why? For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to tell you what. This house was given to me by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and no other idols are going to be served in this house. Now, if you don't want to live here, that's a whole nother story. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. But for me and my house, and everybody that's lived with me knows it. But boy, have I had a lot of people live with me, so it hasn't been much of a problem. That's a whole nother story. Because somehow they get blessed when they're there. They get blessed. But I'm going to say, because the Lord brings leaders to a destination so that we can bring followers there. And I believe God with you for your portion. I believe God with you for your enlargement of territory. I believe God with you because, listen, Israel did not fight alone. They fought together until the land was dispersed. They fought together. Some who had already gotten their land was fighting for their brothers to get their land. And we're going to fight with you. Those of us that say, you know what, Pastor Lynn, I know exactly what you're talking about because God did that for me. Guess what? You fight with your brothers and sisters. You fight with them to be established as an oak of righteousness in the high place, in one of the high places in the world. Why did we build a church in the Himalayas? We're building another one right now, by the way. Because it's a high place. People from all over the world stream to the Himalayas to get some sort of weird spiritual experience. So we built a church there. This is a high place. And people always, oh, I got to leave California. We're going to stay. We're going to be rooted in ground. And not only that, we're going to prosper. Not only just prosper physically. I'm talking about a great move of God in the Bay Area, in the South County area. Signs, wonders, salvations, deliverance is happening. Listen, this is not separate from one another. It's all together. The Lord wants to build authority in your life. He wants to make you a 
oak of righteousness. Now, we're going to pray. For some of you, I want, I need, there, some of you are going to have to have a faith act right now. And the faith act for some of you has to do with believing God for a home. I have a real passion for the next generation, for the younger generation, which is a huge challenge for them. Some of you say, well, I'm not of the younger generation, but it's a huge challenge for me too. Well, guess what? Raise your hand because you may be new to this area or maybe you're saying I'm breaking off something that has been handed to me. The orphan or the poverty or the lack. But if you say, you know what, Pastor Lynn, this word rings true to me in, in that way. It, it's going to ring true to us in a variety of ways, including Pastor David and I. But if it rings true to you for, for acquisition of property, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Now, I want the rest of you to turn around, and I want you to lay hands on the people around you. Raise your hand high, and then your hand can go down. Go lay hands on people. If you say, that's not for me, then guess what? I want you to lay hands on people where it is for, because we're going to believe God right now. Because I want you to know, those of you raising your hands by faith, we said that, um, that if you believe, you're going to receive. But now we're launching this. We're launching the word. We're launching the word. Listen, there's people in this house that have had miraculous land acquisition. Now you say, well, what about the economic reports? What about the housing reports? What about the loan rate? What about, you know what? Get your eyes off of that. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is going to lead you and guide you. He's going to navigate you. He's going to cause you to pursue when you need to pursue. He's going to cause you to wait when you need to wait. Right now. Okay, does everybody have hands on them? Now we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. Whoo! I know, you know what? There's times when I wonder, I have question marks in my head, being flesh, you know, being a human. Is this a word? But you know what? I know this is a word. I, I know it's a word because this was not my intention. When I came to, I already had a word. I thought it was a good one too. And the Lord said, no, this is the word. Whew. Sometimes because it has a physical manifestation, it's more challenging because we have to believe God for something physically to be manifested. Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I really know that over crossroads, you are causing this house to be an oak of righteousness and a land where there isn't righteousness, where there's that many, that the current follows unrighteousness, that even the current of California and even what we're known for, uh, there is a trend towards being uh, an influence towards unrighteousness and even perversion and many other things. But what you say over this land, what you say over this region is that you will be an oak of righteousness and this land flows with milk and honey and this land belongs to me and this land is my land. This land has the dew of heaven upon it. Lord, we receive what you say over this land. We don't look to even other religious people or other church people that say, how can you live there? How can you minister to them? With all the, 
and all the extremism and all that. You know, we say this land is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there are giants in the land, but you have given us the power to take those giants down. Because greater is he, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, Lord, we believe that you will give us land and there's a great outpouring. But part of that outpouring, you are saying, is establishing families righteous families as oaks of righteousness to display your glory oaks of righteousness so that they can say as isaiah 61 says the spirit of the lord is upon me the spirit in my in my neighborhood in where i have been placed the spirit of the lord is upon me and in saying that i got to read that scripture right now the spirit of the lord is upon me in saying that it says this because he has anointed me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to release uh, the, the captives, to free, preach freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn and die in the following, give them a turban instead of dust, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the disheartened spirit, and they will be called oaks of righteousness the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. That's why He wants you rooted and grounded in this place so that you can do what Jesus Himself declared His mission to do on the earth in Luke 4. So, Father, we say release over these, raising their hands, Father, the resources. Release over these the wisdom. Release over these the favor. Release over these that Issachar anointing to know when to act. Lord, may they know they don't have to manipulate anything. They don't have to compromise their integrity. Come on. To get something. All they have to do is trust you and obey you and keep you at the center of their life. In your name, amen. God bless you. I want you to greet one another since you're all mixed up anyway. Greet one another. Love on one another. Happy New Year to everyone. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Woo! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a good day in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. So glad to see everybody here. Woo. The Lord is setting you, positioning you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. It's good. God's good. He's got good stuff. Got good stuff for his children. Praise the Lord. I want to welcome the visitors. If you're visiting with us, welcome to this house. This is a powerhouse. This is a prophetic house. We keep it real simple. Jesus here. You know what? We're not, we're not even interested in being religious. We're interested in relationship with Jesus and expressing who he is through our lives. 
So you're welcome to be here. There's a card in the pew in front of you if you want to fill it out and put your information on it. We do not give it to anyone else just for our own purposes. Pastor David, we are a house-based, uh, word-based house. And if you have read through uh, the Bible in 2022, he wants to know. And there's also some Bible reading plans for 2023. Be in the Word. Have the discipline of the Word. Next week, next Sunday, guess what? What is January 8th? What does do we launch on January 8th? The Daniel fast. So you know what? Eat whatever's in your house right now and get rid of it because you're going to go to Whole Foods or wherever and you're going to buy your fruits and veggies and you're going to participate in a very powerful month. The Lord has great things in this month. Don't don't be... um, distracted. Get in, focus in on what the Lord has for you. There are powerful things that the Lord has for you this month. And going with that, don't forget about making sure you attend the Thirst Conference, January 27th and 28th. Don't say, I have, you know, I have my my aunts, nieces, cousins, friends, birthday party. You know what? I've heard that so, so many times. I'm like, oh my goodness. Give him this time. That's why we do it in January. Because you're setting your face upon what the Lord has for you. And the Lord has a word for you. He has a new level of authority and power for you. The theme is prevail. I don't think Pastor David has this on, on, on our announcements, but I don't care because I'm going to be jamming it down your throat for the next few weeks. I always do that every year. You know I jam it down your throat. But many of you have received life-changing words during that time. It is the pinnacle period of when our Daniel fast ends is on that weekend. And there's going to be powerful things. Listen, the Lord gave me the word prevail uh, quite a few months ago. What is prevail associated with? It's associated with victory in battle. Amen, Pastor Lynn. Amen. I'm charged. I am so charged for 2023. Baptism of the Holy Spirit retreat. You know, we got a good crew coming. We have 23 people going to that. Please keep that time for us in prayer. Some of you intercessors can be praying for us or all of you be praying for us. It's going to be a powerful time of gathering. You say, can I squeeze in? Uh, Okay, if you want. Okay, sure. Pastor David says, you got to know today. So see him. Want to say, ministry partners. We want to highlight, listen, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how our, um, one of our main uh, fundraising efforts is going to go towards what I call the central church in uh, Nepal. It's in Kathmandu. We want to raise $50,000 to help them complete their building. This is a place where there's going to be four stories, garage. And then it's going to be a church. It's going to be a school ministry center for the church planters. And then on the top, it's going to be Living Hope Children's Home. That's where Samuel and Kieran live with the children. It's, that's what we're building with them. They have already sacrificed, and they've already done what they could do with the resources. We're going to make up the rest. We're raising $50,000. We currently uh, have um, $16,700 raised. And I said it was for 2023, so we're $33,300 that I want to raise this year. 
so that next time I go to Nepal, that the place is done, completed, and we will have our ministry hub there. So we're doing that once again, a high place in the earth. As you sow, you shall also reap. As you sow, as you sow, you will reap. So I want you to know that. We don't give less. We don't, we're not Ebenezer Scrooge. What we do is we give and God gives to you. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. This is Jesus' words. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap. And he is true to that. Speaking of that, uh, I want you to pray for your pastors. Uh, we are on the front lines for you, all of us. And so keep us all in your prayers. Um, ushers, come forward for our tithes and offerings. You can give in many ways. Thank you for your faithful giving. This house is faithfully giving. Uh, but you know what? There's more. I'm going to say that one more time, and then you guys are going to say really big amen, okay? There's more. Come on, there's more. Amen. We've only just begun. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us, that you're cheering us on. Lord, we say take these tithes and offerings that we give and expand your kingdom in the earth. In your name, amen. God bless you as you give. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. You know what I love about this church? You come to church and you get two sermons every Sunday. At least two, sometimes three. And uh, we're, we're not embarrassed about that. We want you to be people of the Word. You know, what, is, what sets you free? The Word sets you free, right? Hey, uh, we're starting a new sermon series. The last one only, uh, only was nine and a half months long. So, uh, you know, we don't do short sermon series here. We do kind of long ones. And uh, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about a new sermon series we're talking about love. And it's interesting because the world has a concept of what love is. And love in, the, in, a, in a worldly concept is usually very erotic or very sensual or very uh, uh, tangled up in things that aren't healthy. Even a lot of the, 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 the love songs are actually a little bit distorted in what they are. And so I want to teach you really what it means to be uh, an aspect of love. And this morning we're going to have communion at the end of service, uh, which is the ultimate act of Christ's and God's love to us, to you and I. Uh, and if you look at John chapter 3, verse 16, it's probably one of the most well-known uh, verses in Scripture. Uh, it says, For God so loved the world, and the world is every single person in it. It just doesn't mean God so loved the Christian. It means God so loved every person, even that person that is very antagonistic to you. Like, you may be a 49ers fan. Today, you're called to love the Raiders. Okay? You may be a Raiders fan. You're called to love the 49ers and Kansas City. You can be a Dallas Cowboy. And no one knows Dallas Cowboy fans. But even if you, you're called to love them, even though they don't love anyone, you know? We are called to love one another. 
And the truth of the matter is, the love of God is what promotes and, and, and jettisons, jettisons us into the way we treat other people. And I believe, rightfully so, the church has been criticized because we've been very selective in our love. We haven't been loving people the way Christ loves them. And I want to challenge us as men and women of faith because it's interesting, if you keep reading that passage in John, if you go to the next verse, in verse 17 and verse 18, look what it says. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That is not what Christ came to do. And I get tired of Christians condemning other people. Let me tell you, you ain't God. I know that's bad grammar, but I don't care. Okay, you can't condemn me for it. But, you know, We are not called to condemn people. We're called to love them. Mother Teresa said, if you're judging people or condemning them, you have no room in your heart to love them. And what we want to be is we want to be people that demonstrate the love of Christ to people and, and even those people that we think don't deserve it. Let me tell you, you and I didn't deserve it when we came to the cross either. And, and, and we need to come to that revelation. So I want to talk to you because one of the things that I looked at, I was thinking about this last week. My birthday was last week. I always celebrate my end of the year, getting a year older. And, and my wife always sits down with me and she always says, well, what do you want to do for the next year and what are your goals? But I also want to look at the fact that for the last decade, we've been your pastors. We've been your pastors and now going on, going on our 11th year. And when we first came to this church and some people say, well, I've never seen a miracle. You're sitting in a miracle right now. This building you're sitting in and what God's done over the last decade is a miracle. Those of you that are watching online, you're watching through a miracle where God provided the funds to provide a video system that we could project globally. Those that are listening in the building and you're sitting in a nice, nice new fabric with new carpet under you and a whole new facility and projection screens and all of this, all paid cash. When we came here, Friends of mine would call me and say, are you crazy going to Morgan Hill? Don't you know what that church does to pastors? And I said, yeah, it's a new season. And God has done a miracle. God has turned the finances of this church around. God has made us one of the, the most prosperous churches in Northern California as far as per capita giving. You know, people think we have a church of 1,000 people. I wish we would. We could do even 10 times more what we're doing. But God has provided blessing and favor over us because we have pushed you. And let me tell you, as long as we're your pastors, we're going to be pushy. We're going to push you into the word. We're going to push you into the things of the spirit. We're going to push you to believe things that you don't think were able to happen in your life because God is able to do less than I imagine. No, exceedingly more abundantly. And God's word wants to, to get that into your spirit. So today I want to talk to you about what it really means to be people of love. Because the act of what Christ did on the cross for us was so powerful, it transformed who we are as people. Look what the book of Ephesians, and, and the apostle Paul is kind of like in scripture, the, the guy I identify with the most. Because he, he just, he, he came to this powerful revelation. Look what he says in Ephesians 1.7. In him... In who? In Christ. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Think about that. If you want a really good Bible study, you need to get into the Word and you need to study and look at every passage of Scripture that says, in him, in Christ, in the Lord, and it'll transform the way you view yourself in Christ. You see, too many Christians don't really understand what the love of God is about and what it's really done in, in their lives. And they live kind of this wishy-washy, kind of 
not really overcoming, not really victorious, not really believing God to do supernatural things because they don't understand what this act was about. They don't understand the power of communion. They don't understand the suffering that Christ went through. And we live so far below what God wants us to live. And I, I believe that one of the things God wants us to do as your pastors is to drag you, pull you, push you into an intimate relationship with him that will transform your life so you'll be the men and women that God destined you to be. So what does it mean? In him we have redemption. Think about this. Look at this passage of scripture. We have forgiveness of sins. Aren't you glad your sins are forgiven? I mean, some of you, you've told me your sins, and, and I'm glad your sins are forgiven. You know, some of you that are married, your spouse is glad your sins are forgiven. Those of you that have kids, your kids are glad your sins are forgiven. Those of you that are parents that have children, you're glad your children's sins are forgiven. Think about it. Sin separates us from God. Sin polarizes us from God. Sin makes us do things that, that are deplorable. And, you know, we live in a world that's telling us, oh, there's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing as, and just open up the, the news and read it. Look at what's happening globally, things that are happening. And I tell you, God wants us to be people who are dispensers of love and the grace of Jesus Christ and communicate the grace of Jesus Christ to people. Because why? Because through his blood, sins are forgiven. And something happens to you when your sins are forgiven. You change your view, not just of yourself, but the way you look at other people. And not only that, look what it says, but it's according to what? The poverty now, you know, a lot of times, this is what gets me as Christians. So many people believe that God doesn't have enough grace for everybody. Yeah. You know, but if God extends his grace to you, then he can't extend it to me. So therefore, I, I have this mindset about God that he's stingy with his grace. That's not what scripture says. And grace, grace covers what? A multitude of not just your sins, but everyone's sins. And when we look at Scripture, one of the things that God does is he, he says, I want you to look and have an understanding, a revelation of who I am to you. And when you do that, one of the things that happens is you change. You're radically transformed. And I want us to be people that are radically transformed by the love of God so that when we come up to people that are very unloving, we exercise love towards them. You know? Greater love has no one than to lay down their life for a friend. Greater love we have because Christ gave his love to us. And one of the things that God wants to do is he wants to transform the way that we understand who we are as people. But you know, when you look into, into scripture, one of the things that is very interesting is scripture tells us that in the beginning, look at 1 John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. That's, we're talking here about Jesus Christ. We're talking about the divinity of Jesus Christ. We're talking about who he was. And, and from the very beginning, he made all things. That's what John says. And as a result of him making things, we, we can basically understand that as a result of God making everything, he's in control of everything. Now, we have the interesting aspect of life that we have a free will. So you could do whatever you want. But there are consequences for that. Let me, let me put it in a practical terms. There's, there's physical laws and there's spiritual laws. A lot of times those two things uh, relate with one another. Let me give you a physical law, gravity. You know, most of us believe in gravity, right? Because if not, we'd be floating around this room, you know? 
But I, I've heard people say, well, I don't, I don't believe in these spiritual laws. I, well, let me, let me take a, a physical example. Let me take this table, this communion table, and let me lift it up above my head. And you could put your foot out, and you could not believe in the law of gravity. But if I let that go, there's going to be a consequence to your foot. Right, Michael? That's what happened to Michael. Michael's wearing a boot, a little boot on his foot, right? That's, Michael kicked a television set because Michigan lost yesterday. That's what, really what happened, but we forgive him, you know? You got to love me, Michael. I bought you a Michigan jersey. Against my better judgment, I bought him a Michigan jersey, you know? But we, we, we realize that gravity, there are consequences for our actions, and people don't want to come to the revelation of that, but the, the truth is this. When we are walking in an understanding of who we are in Christ, we realize there are consequences for the way people behave. Let me tell you something. As a believer, there's consequences for the way you believe. You can say you're a believer. You can have a bumper sticker. You can have a fishing dove on your car. You can have shirts and clothes and all the swag you want. But if you're not really living it, there's a consequence. You know what the consequence is? People that are around you aren't going to come to faith. Because they're going to call you and me a hypocrite if that's the way we live. And I'm tired of Christians being hypocritical. I want us to be oaks of righteousness. That's one of the theme verses God gave us as your pastors years ago, that this church would be established as an oak of righteousness. Now, some of us are just a little acorn right now. Some of us are just a little sapling right now. Some of us are, are just a, growing up to be a tree. Some of us are old enough that we should be oaks of righteousness, but we're still little things swaying back in the wind because we haven't been rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And one of the things that God wants us to do is to realize that in Him, all things were created, including your destiny of what God wants you to be. And I want to challenge us as men and women of faith that we would live a life that's consistent with what Scripture teaches. You know, if you go back to the book of Genesis... It's kind of interesting because in the book of Genesis, in chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, look what it says. And God, the Lord God, took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. This is what we refer to as a spiritual principle, a spiritual law. If, if you engage in things that are in violation, like Pastor Lynn said, the contractual relationship that God has with us, if you do this, then this will happen. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. If you serve me with all of your heart, I will bless you. You will have my favor. You will do. But if you violate my laws, there are consequences to that. You know, we live in a culture right now that people don't want consequences for their actions. We live in a culture that says, you can do something illegal and not, it's not my fault, you know? We're, 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 you hear news stories about people who do horrible things to other people as well because when I was young, this happened to me. But yet there's a thousand other people that the same thing happened to and they don't go and do it. You see, we have, there are consequences for the way we live. And so many times as believers, we want to think we could do whatever we want because we're under grace and not be consequences. And God is telling us through his word that if you are living in alignment with him and you're doing what he says, he will bless you and prosper you in ways you don't even imagine. You know, if, if 10 years ago God would, have, God would have told me what he's done, if I would have seen 10 years, I would have said, that's impossible, Lord. But yet he has. And great things God has done. And God has got great things in store for you. You know, God has got amazing things in store for you but it takes you to be in alignment with him.
And what happens when you're out of alignment? Do you ever drive a car that the front end is a lot of alignment? It pulls you one direction or the other. And God wants you to be recalibrated to him. That's one of the greatest things about the first thing of, the, of a new year. You have a brand new start. Why do we do the Daniel fast? Well, because we want to slim down because it's bathing suit season in six months. No. We want you to be spiritually sensitive to the Lord. We want you to be, have your focus recalibrated as a new start. You have a, a brand new beginning. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are new, right? We have a new year. We have a new opportunity to press into the Lord. And when you do that, every single year we, we do this Daniel fast. Supernatural things happen in the lives of people in our church. Powerful things happen. Breakthroughs happen. Deliverance happens. All of these things happen. you know why? Because they address what God is trying to address in their life. And I want to challenge you as men and women of faith to really press in to know the Lord. You know, and, and one of the things that God wants to do is God wants to just transform the way that you think. Now, here's a concept of love. All of us have sinned. How do we know that? Look at the book of Romans. In Romans chapter uh, 3, verse 23, it says, all have sinned. That means you, me, every one of us, the youngest little child. You know, all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short. But God has provided a way so that we can have a relationship with him. And the beautiful thing about the Lord is, man, he has always got a remedy for sin in our life. Now, as humans, we establish religions which try to establish a, a remedy for sin. And what is a religion? A religion is if I check the box and do certain things, then I'm forgiven. doesn't matter what I do, but if, if, I just, if I do it in myself, that's all I need to do. Let me tell you, that doesn't cut it, folks. That doesn't cut it at all. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 49, verse 7 and 8. No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a, re a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. Wow. You ever read that? Just think about it. There's no ransom for sin. According, wouldn't you love it if the scripture stopped right there? It's like, why, why even live any further? But that's not the reality of what Jesus Christ did. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 2. He says, For I know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. The law can't justify you with God. The law basically pointed out all of our sins and how all of us have fallen short. That's why there, we needed a Savior. But look what it says. But by faith in Jesus Christ, so we too have been put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we have been justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one can be justified. You see, in Christ, in him, Paul, Paul says in Ephesians, that in him, we have redemption, what? Through his blood. That as a result of what Christ went through on the cross, that you and I are set free from the law of curse, the, the law of sin and death, the, law, the curse that was upon us. We've been completely set free from it. You know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about what is redemption. How many of you can remember back in the mid, like, 2017, 2015, 2014, somewhere back in there? Remember the Somali pirates were ransoming, uh, getting uh, uh, boats, uh, large oil tankers, and they were kidnapping the, the crew? I just read an article of, about a book that just came out. It was one of the, the hostage negotiators that would go in and pay off the Somali pirates. And he said just one, one negotiator alone paid over $100 million to the Somali pirates to set people free that were held in captivity so they could retain 
the oil tankers and the crew. What is redemption? Redemption is paying a ransom. That's what Christ did for you. He paid a ransom that you and I could never afford. He paid a ransom because of our sin and our rebellion. Even if you're un unaware of your rebellion, you were still guilty of it, right? And he paid that ransom so that we can walk in a new relationship with him. And then as we walk in a new relationship with him, what we do, we learn how to love other people. The problem with too many Christians is we don't think through what it means to be truly be redeemed by the Lord. In 1 Peter, I think it's interesting, Peter, the man that very denied who Christ was in front of other people when he was being whipped and beaten, he was betrayed, or he betrayed the Lord in his words. But Peter says this in 1 Peter. He says, for you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed. Wait a minute, I thought silver and gold was important. Silver and gold is, is basically an aggregate in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, Danny, when Danny was paving the parking lot, he, he went over to Wells Fargo and Chase Bank and loaded up the Brinks truck and brought it over and ground it up, and we used it for paving material. That's what God considers silver and gold. You know, now some of us would be out there with chips, you know, just, what are you doing? Just cleaning up the driveway, <laughs> you know? But God doesn't consider silver and gold, gold valuable. We do, and it's deplorable what people do to get their hands on silver and gold. And God says that's worthless. It's actually, it's, it's really of no value. He says, but we, but we, you and I, we have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus, the lamb that was without blemish. Or defect you know I like music I love music I listen to music all the time and and uh, any of you like the old Beatles you know can't buy me love money can't buy me love money can buy a lot of things but it really can't buy love it can buy friends until the money runs out and then it's amazing how your friends disappear when you have no more money you know money can buy a lot of things but it can't buy the true aspect of what love is. And the Apostle Paul, he, he understood this because he came to a place in his relationship with Christ where he was so rebellious towards who, the, who Christ was, and he gets knocked off his steed, and he's laying on the ground, and he has this divine revelation with God, and he says, who are you? And Jesus says, I'm the one you're persecuting. And not talk about, oh, oh boy, you know, you're in a, a tough situation. But Paul came to the revelation and understanding of what true love was, and he wrote this in Romans. But God demonstrated, listen to this, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his love to us while we were sinners, Christ died for us, so that we've been justified by his blood. How much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were God's enemies. We were reconciled. Think about that. You were an enemy to God, but God reconciled you. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that you're no longer an enemy of God? You don't have to be perfect, but you know what? You're no longer an enemy to God because he's reconciled you through his son. And having been reconciled, we shall be saved through his life. Not only to, uh, uh, is this so, but we also boast. If you're going to boast in something, don't boast about how wicked you were before you knew Christ. Boast about how great God's grace is in your life. You know, in the Old Testament, in Passover, in the book of Leviticus, the people were commanded to make a sacrifice. And the sacrifice was through, uh, in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it was through the, 
the blood, and the blood was given for atonement. And atonement basically means to cover sin. And so atonement did two things. You needed to shed blood, and then the blood needed to be applied. Those two things were part of the atonement process. So when an animal was crucified or slayed in the, uh, not crucified, but slayed in the Old Testament, you would take the blood and you would apply it to the altar, and it would, it would, it would cover the sins of the people. Well, it's interesting because in the book of Exodus, when they, they were, the children of Israel were going through the Passover, look what it says in the book of Exodus, in, in Exodus chapter 20. It's, it says this, it says, excuse me, Exodus chapter 12, verse 22. It says, you take a, a, a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood of the basin and put some of the blood on the top and then both sides of the door frame. And none of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. And when the Lord goes through the land and strikes down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the tops and the side of your door frames, and he will pass over the doorway. And I love this. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house or to strike you down. Go to the next slide. This is the symbol of Passover. The symbol of Passover was actually a demonstration of what God was going to do through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ. So if you would take blood and you would take it to the top of the doorpost and you would touch it to the sides, it makes the symbol of the cross. And what the, the people of Israel were doing, they were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. They were waiting for the coming of, of Christ. They were waiting for the one, the only one that could set them free. And it wasn't through, the, the Hebrew says, it wasn't through the, the blood of lambs or sheep. It was through the precious blood of Jesus. And that's what forgives us. And when we walk in that kind of forgiveness, it cultivates in us a desire to really love people the way God loved us. Because the fact of the matter is this. Our sin separated us from God. But Christ did the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we could walk in a revelation of who he is, so we could walk in wholeness, so we could then take that wholeness and share it with other people we come in contact with. Do you know there's people, and I found this, the very people that are hardest for you to communicate the gospel to are usually the people closest to the kingdom because they're kind of fighting it off. They know it, you know. I don't know about you, but do you remember when you came to faith? I do. I remember someone sitting down talking to me about Jesus, and I was just going, oh, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I know I'm going to hell. I know there's no doubt in my mind what this guy's telling me. I'm not on the slow track. I'm on the express train. No stops, just straight there. And I remember as he was talking to me, I was like, no, that's not true. That can't be true. That, I was saying that internally to myself, but externally I was making fun of him. I was mocking him. I was teasing him. I was doing all these things because I realized that what he was speaking to me was speaking not, not to something that I could understand. It was a spirit within me, the spirit of God that birthed me and created me while I was in my mother's womb. He was addressing that, and that was starting to, to get aggravated because there was a struggle within me. Anyone relate? And what God wants to do is he wants to help you to, to walk in powerful love so when you're talking to people, you're not talking to the external circumstances of their words or their actions, but you're talking to their spirit. That's right. Come on. And we are to breathe life of the spirit into other people. This is not even the message I prepared. I, there must be something with you and I yesterday hanging out with the Lord all day, you know? <laughs> You know, the world tells us there's a type of love that, if you want to get that video ready, I think we're just going to skip to that. You know, the world tells us there's a type of love, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you listen to music, how many of you like music? You know, I love, I love listening to music. And music, something, you know, is, there's something in music that really speaks to us as people. But the world tells us love's a certain way. 
And there's a song I want to play. It's a secular song, so don't be highly offended or send me an email telling me I shouldn't be playing secular music because I, I, I baptized it in the blood of the Lamb. And, and hopefully, the words and the music and the slides will sync together. But I want you to listen to the words of this song. This is what the world's telling us what love is, and this is the truth of who God says his love is. Go ahead and play that. Got to change the slides. Anyone know that song? Don't worry, if you're watching online, this is going to be copyright violated, so you're going to be uh, blocked out. You won't be able to see it. So it'll go dark on the screen. You, won't be, you have to log back in. If you're watching online, you have to log back in after this slide plays, just so you know. Is that going to work? You have the wrong PowerPoint up, though. Da, 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 da. Don't you love the first things? You've got to forgive the sound techs and me for doing this. I told her it was going to be a problem when I, I did this this morning. But, you know, the truth is, uh, the, the way the world addresses us to love people is very different than what Scripture says. And we're on a journey. Some of you are catching that. But uh, if you know the song, that's who wrote it, Journey. There you go. Just fire that puppy up the big screen. You're doing a great job back there. I, could, I would mess it up even more. We're getting it there. Once, twice, three times a lady. Okay, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I t I've got all, if I could memorize Scripture like I could music, you'd, you'd have four-hour sermons. Uh, we're getting there. Don't worry, we have another hour of service yet. Don't worry, you'll be fine. We got two ladies working on it, so we're, we, that's great. And one guy's sitting over there going, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> there you go. Not moving forward. A little time to make it over. Keep the give a slide. Keep going. Press the button. Move it forward. There's a good slide of church. Keep
journey when they wrote that ever thought it'd be played as a communion introduction <laughs> or foreigner was it foreigner sorry it was journey but you know the interesting thing about what real love is is when you have a, a filter when you look through life you look at through the lens of Christ and the ultimate act of what real love is is the word became flesh and dwelt among us it was a word that laid in a manger that grew up as a little boy in Israel and carried the weight of knowing his destiny. It's the same word that became flesh that went into the temple and debated with the religious scholars and ran theological rings around their understanding of what the word was because he was the word. It was the same word that when was beaten for my sin and for your sin. It was the same word that went up to a hill in, called Golgotha and was brutally, savagely killed so that our sins can be forgiven. And a lot of times as Christians, I don't think we realize when we take communion what it really is. But it was a perfect spotless 
son of God who came and traded himself out for your sin and my sin and the sin of every other person on this planet. Think of the most wicked person you can think of. Christ died for that person. And if we're truly going to be disciples and followers of Jesus, we need to learn how to love people the way Christ loved them. And so this morning as we take communion, if the ushers want to get ready, we're going to pass out the elements, but I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about what communion is. Communion is... His, come, come forward. Communion is his body, which was broken for us. Communion is the one who knew no sin, taking on sin so that you and I wouldn't have to experience the consequences of sin. The one who came and lived the perfect life and substituted it for people that really lived a screwed up life. And he said that I do this and I do it for you and I want you to do it to remember me. Go ahead and pass those out. Just hold these when they are passed out. You know, we talk about communion as the Lord's Supper. If you're from a Catholic background, they'll call it the Eucharist or Holy Communion. But it basically, it's two elements. It's bread, which is on the bottom of these self-contained cups, and juice, blood, which is in the top. You know, it says that when we take communion, it says, by his stripes we're healed. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Christ. He says the cup is the new covenant, which is a beautiful reminder is the beginning of the new year that today is a fresh start for you and I in our relationship with the Lord. Whatever 2022 held for us, whether it was good, bad, or ugly, it's over. Today's a new start. Today gives you and I the opportunity to have a completely clean slate with the Lord, to make all things right with Him. And when we celebrate communion, what we're basically doing is saying, Lord, I commit my life to you this day to live it the way you want me to live it. And what the Lord wants us to do, he wants us to live our life in such a way. He wants us to live our life in such a way that we're pleasing to him. And then as we deal with other people, we treat them with the same way Christ treated us that he forgave us of our sins and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And the beautiful thing about when we do that, it draws people to him. You know, it's not the judgment of God that draws people to him. It's his loving kindness. It's the grace. It's his mercy. It's his tenderness. I don't know about you, but... I had a grandfather that was a very harsh man. And I remember as a young child thinking to myself, I never want to grow up to be a grandfather like him. But I had someone else in my life that wasn't even biologically related to me that was like a grandfather to me that was very kind and very gracious. And the interesting thing is my grandfather was an elder in the Episcopalian church, but he never lived it out. But the man that lived down the street from me who was the kindest, gracious man I've ever met, 
was a very solid believer. And as a matter of fact, his wife, when she was 92 years old, led me to Christ. She sat and prayed. I remember praying with her at the church, and she was there praying with me. And actually, I was, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was actually praying for her, and I laid hands on her, and I started speaking in other tongues. And I asked the pastor, what's going on? What is that? And he just said, just wait. I'll explain it to you. Come to a Bible study. You know, because love brings out the best in people. And I want us, as we celebrate communion today, to ask the Lord, Lord, let 2023 be a year where we're just baptized anew in love. That, God, we can love the sinners because we know that, like Paul says, I was a chief of sinners. And let me tell you, if God can forgive you, God can forgive anyone. And a lot of times, as Christians, we like to isolate ourselves in a, an ivory tower to stay away from people that are living a life of sin. But you know what God wants us to do? He wants us to go to the highways and the byways and find people that don't know him and share the love of God with them so they can experience the same thing that you're experiencing right now. Scripture says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. Don't open the bottom of your cup. There's a wafer of bread in there. And he said, this bread represents my body, which was broken for me, for you. Now, a lot of times people don't like to, to look at the cross of Jesus Christ and see him just, his body just filleted. But this morning, I want us to reflect on what Christ did for you and I. His body was completely destroyed so that you and I could walk in forgiveness. His body was unrecognizable as a result of the beating he took so that you and I could walk in forgiveness. So Lord, this first Sunday of 2023, we look at this wafer of bread that is so precise and clean and neat. And we realize it represents your body, which was the exact opposite. And Lord, I ask and pray that, Father, you would just bless us, your sons and daughters. Lord, we acknowledge any area in our life that is unpleasing to you right now. We confess it, Lord, and we ask that you'd forgive us. And Lord, as we take communion on the first day of 2023, I ask and pray that, Lord, we will be drawn into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. Lord, not only will you forgive our sins, but you'll cleanse us. And Lord, I pray as we partake of this bread that we would be reminded of your sacrifice that you made for us each and every day. In Christ's name, shall we partake of the bread. I pray that as we took the bread this morning that Father your body which was broken from us for us God we'd receive resurrection life and health and strength in our bodies Lord I pray that your grace would help us to be strong and healthy every day of this next year Lord I pray that our eyes would always be looking to you 
Lord, I pray that sickness would no longer remain in our bodies, but Lord, the power that raised you from the dead would flow through us. And Lord, I pray that by your stripes we would be healed, and we shall be healed, Lord. And we just commit ourselves to you this day, Father. Now take the cup. This cup represents the precious blood of Jesus, which was shed for you and me. This cup represents his life, which was poured out as a sacrifice for you and I. This cup represents healing, restoration, and a new covenant. It represents a new start. And I want to challenge you as listeners of the word, as people who are sitting here this morning, to make a commitment to the Lord that 2023 will be the year that you commit every area of your life to Him. Just like when you drink this cup, it's going to flow into your body and it's going to be taken to every part of your body and your body's going to process it. It's going to affect you. That the Word of God that you read and you listen to and you spend time meditating on will transform you. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your precious blood. We thank you for washing and cleansing me and everyone here that's taking this communion of our sins. Lord, I thank you that as a result of what you did on the cross, that we could stand in complete righteousness and forgiveness on you. And I pray that the blood that we're about to celebrate through the communion cup would cure every disease in our body, would strengthen us, but Lord, it would also baptize us with love for others. I pray that, Father, that we would become such examples of the love of Christ to people that they would ask us what makes us different. And I pray that, Lord, we would not be shy in communicating the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. And, Lord, we would always be willing to share of what you've done in our life with others around us. So, Lord, now we lift this cup to you and we ask you bless it to our bodies. In Christ's name, shall we partake. Thank you. Stand with me. Pastor Rebecca, lead us in a song of worship, and then Pastor Lynn's going to come up and close. Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead. Breathing in life again, you cause your sun to shine on darkest night. For all, for all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song.
If you need special prayer, we have a prayer team available to you. You know, the song that Pastor David showed on the PowerPoint, I want to know what love is. You know what love is. You know. You know what love is. And it's our assignment now to share it with other people. And that's what this message is about. Come on, let's... I believe... 2023, there will be a great harvest of souls, people coming to know Jesus here in this house. And how is he going to do it? He's going to use you. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for your life. We thank you for 2023 as you have positioned us to say you are good. There's good things that you have in store. Lord, I pray as we go into our remaining holiday today and tomorrow, celebrating the new year, Lord, may we receive your word over our lives and may we spend time identifying the assignment you have for us as we enter into this year. Because, Lord, you want to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than what we can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. So Lord, may we be people who partner with the power, the Holy Spirit's power that is at work within us so that we can see you do that exceedingly, abundantly more. Father, we thank you, Father, for this word in your name. Amen. Have a great holiday. If you need special prayer, there's a prayer team there. And we'll see you next week for the Daniel Fast. God bless you. Affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our Oh.